What is really frustrating when you're watching that, my goodness, how gifted are they even when they're just, you know? Did you hear the, the instruments and, and that even him singing? Um, but yes, amen. Anyway, this morning, right, this morning, I, I want to just take us back a little bit. Because um, I believe, you know, we can get busy with life of church. I want to take us back to a little bit of, of the gospel. Amen. And it's the gospel that has transformed you. And it's the gospel, the good news that has transformed me. And when we were told about Christ, and we were told about Calvary, and we were told about what God can do and has done, and we have our vision statement as the church, what God can do for you and what God can do through you. And the truth of the matter is, besides, you know, that was a big church. You could see they had a big stage and lots of lights and camera and action. And we have blue chairs and, you know, we, we have all different things going on. But we must remember and keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the good news that while we were in our sin. And why we were separated and why we were lost, God did something drastic, dramatic, impossible, miraculous, wonderful. Uh, depending on which side of the fence you're looking at, whether it's the side of the fence where you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, or it's the side of the fence that you know him as your Lord and Savior. The fact is, is that Jesus stepped out of heaven, he stepped onto earth, he died a brutal death, he died on the cross, he was buried, three days later he rose from the dead, he conquered death, he conquered sickness, he conquered disease, he conquered the grave itself, and uh, even more important than that, that he became an atonement, the Bible says, he became the punishment your punishment and my punishment for sin he became and because he became that punishment we were now able to uh, have access to God so we sit here today in correct right standing with God our sin no longer is in the way because we've called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. And because we called upon his name and because he paid our punishment, because he, he died on what should have been our cross, our guilt, our shame, our sin, our in, insignificance, our, our, our wrongdoing, he took upon his own body, he bore it upon his body. So if we recognize he's done that and invite Christ into our life, the Bible says he will wipe the slate clean. We're no longer sinners. Amen. We're now saints. Amen. That message or a variation of that message in the sense of it was said probably a lot more eloquent than I've just said it. That was in my own words. Was the message that was spread throughout the world. Amen. And that was the message of Christianity. And of course, Christianity had a beginning. Right. And when you look across the world now, you see churches everywhere. But at the very, very beginning of the church, and we read it in Book of Acts, uh, they had nothing. They had no buildings. They had nothing. They had no history. All they had was this message of hope. Amen. 
this message of grace, this message of good news. And they would speak with people who had never heard of Jesus, never heard of church, never heard of the gospel, and say, can I tell you about somebody called Jesus? And they said, Jesus who? Well, Jesus of Nazareth. Where's Nazareth? Well, Nazareth's in Israel. Okay, tell me about it. Well, who was he? Well, this is who he was, right? But this is what he did. And he did that for you. And they went, okay, well, are you sure? Is that real? Did he really do that? And as they explained about what Christ done, people that had never heard of Jesus, never heard of church, never heard of Christianity said, I believe what you're telling me. What do I now need to do? They said, pray, invite Christ into life. Turn away from the way that you've been living and now live a righteous life. And they go, well, well how do I live a righteous life? And then we have the word of God, we have the apostles, we have the early church that started to teach people how to live a righteous life. The most important thing is that this morning we recognize that Jesus is God. We recognize that Jesus gave his life for you and I. And then our response to that is how do I live for Jesus? Amen. So what I'm going to do this morning is just look at a few scriptures. And um, I'm actually going to talk... Um, about a, a man in the Bible, and you might want to write this down. Um, it was a Greek man, he was a Gentile, right? And uh, understand this, uh, that Jesus was Jewish, and Jesus was a Jew. And the gospel, uh, the good news came to the Jewish people first, but because of their rebellion, right? The Jewish people, uh, they rejected Jesus. Um, the gospel was then spread out to the Gentiles. You and I are, are Gentiles, people that never knew God before, people that weren't grafted in, and it went to the nations. Uh, but very early in the Christian walk, we find out about a man, right, which you can do a little Google search on, called uh, Stephanus. That's his Greek word, um, and it's spelled S-T-E-P-H-A-N-A-S. So it's like Stephen, but don't be confused with Stephen from the Bible. This guy is called Stephanus, and he was a Greek guy, and his neighbor, right, um, became a Christian, also a Greek guy, became a Christian through the Jewish people telling him about the gospel, and his neighbor started to do church in his house. And so uh, Stephanus became a man that uh, heard the gospel, gave his life to Jesus, and then he started a church himself. So uh, we're going to talk about him as if we know about him, um, but I'm going to rely upon you to go home and to Google Stephanus and find out all the scriptures where he is, okay? And he's quite prominent um, in the Word of God, and you'll see that. But the first scripture that I'm going to use is Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 20. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 20. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Uh, Stephanus uh, heard the gospel. He heard about 
Jesus. He heard about him being the Savior. He responded to Jesus. He invited Christ into his life. He did what a lot of us here this morning have done at some point in our life. But Stephanus then said, what next? What next? And I'm here this morning just to highlight the what next. So he loves you and he has died for you and he conquered sin and death so you could be free he has come into your life so you can know truth and the darkness that was in your life is now gone because the light of God is now in your life and you now have freedom in Christ and all God's people said Amen. So we sit here this morning knowing we're free in Christ, knowing that we're heaven bound, knowing that we're saved and that we're sanctified and that we are free. Amen. There's a liberty within us that when we wake up uh, in the morning, when you wake up, um, the difference of waking up before you knew that truth, um, you would wake up and you would wake up because you woke up. You would breathe because you breathed. You would exist because you existed but the moment you came into relationship with Jesus you now woke up with a purpose you now knew that he was with you there was there was a sense that 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 even though you're by yourself right you're never by yourself amen and so therefore I've just spent four or five days in a house in the middle of nowhere in Bulgaria by myself but I wasn't by myself Amen? Now, there was a few rats and mice knocking around, so, but I'm not talking about that, right? I was, wasn't by myself because there was other creepy crawlies and stuff in the house. I wasn't by myself because the presence of God is with me. Amen? The psalmist talks about if I try to run away from your presence, even if I want to get away from God's presence, even if I make a conscious choice to say that I am running, and it says that, that it's maybe it's frustrating for some people maybe you just want to get away by yourself but you'll never get away by yourself no more the moment Jesus is in your life <laughs> amen I can imagine for some people that is, is a liberating thought and for some other people that could be well I just want to be by myself you, the fact is he would never leave you he would never forsake you and even when you're by yourself you're never by yourself even when you're going through a valley experience and you think, I'm by myself, he is with you. Amen. The psalmist says that if I try to run from his presence, intentionally try to run away, if I go down to the deepest of earth, if I go down to the bottom of the ocean, you are there. When you read about the psalmist, he almost sounds like he's getting frustrated. If I run to the east, you are there. If I run to the west, you are there. If I go down to the deepest, you are there. Can I get away from you? No. Why? Because he will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. And it's a wonderful truth to know that you'll never, ever be alone when he's with you. Matthew uh, 28. He, he gives an instruction to the early church to say, Great, now, now you've recognized Jesus as Lord and as Savior, and you've invited him into his life, but now I want you to go. And he gives them what we call the Great Commission. And he says, um, he says to them, uh, let me get back to that. It says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus is just declaring now that I am the one in charge here. So therefore, 
Go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, and then it says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded them to do. So we've got here uh, uh, this young Greek man gives his life to Jesus. He's a Gentile. And now he's like, well, what do I do now? And Stephanus can see there's three things in that great commission. Number one, making disciples. Number two, baptizing them. And number three, teaching them to obey his command. Amen. Here's a question. How much of a disciple are we uh, this morning? Amen. Um, how much are we being, being discipled? Have we moved on from the confession of our faith? Are we actually growing? Um, have we been baptized? Right? Have we been water baptized? Have we been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And then um, have we been taught and how are we living by his commandments? Because if you are, then it says we now, as a church, Rock Church, we need to go and make disciples. We need to go baptizing them and we need to teach them uh, people to obey his command. We've just started, uh, we had an incredible Sunday, in fact. Um, last Sunday was our launch Sunday. Thank you for everyone being there. It was an incredible service. It was wonderful. And it was great to have other um, uh, leaders with us from other churches over in Darleston. And um, it was great because we had the full worship team and we had uh, sort of a, a renter crowd, if you like. Um, everyone came to visit. But today at 4 o'clock is really where the rubber's going to hit the road. Because today, four o'clock, we're going from a big band to karaoke worship on the uh, on, on the TV screen. We're going from a big crowd of people to the reality of we are church planting. So when we are over in Darleston today, and when we're over in Darleston planting church, what do we need to do? We need right to make disciples, baptize them, and teach them uh, to obey God's command. What do we need to do? We need to make sure that we preach the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as we're going to learn in a little bit, it's, um, it's God is the one who does the miracles. It's God is the one who does the salvations. Um, Paul the Apostle um, was uh, uh, this young Greek man's hero. He would look at Paul and he would see how Paul would act and how Paul would work. And, and he would see Paul and, and he see that Paul did exactly what Jesus would do. Um, Luke, one of Paul's friends, was a co-worker, right? And um, some of Paul and Barnabas' exploits, they preached the good news in the city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned um, and they continued uh, to, to, to preach. Um, in, in Acts verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 21, it says that um, Paul and Luke says they preached the gospel in the city. They won a large number of disciples. This is Acts 14, 21. They won a large number of disciples, and then they returned to Lycia uh, and Antioch and strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships, uh, Paul said, to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas appointed uh, for them in each uh, church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Um, Paul and his team did these three basic things to fulfill the Great Commission. Number one, they did evangelism. 
okay they preached the good news number two they did discipleship where there was this strengthening the disciples and then number three they did leadership training where they appointed elders and um, we as a church need be people that do all those three things we need to preach the gospel evangelism amen we need to tell people and i want to tell you um, the way that the church grew right is that they told their neighbors they told their family they, they told people about jesus i don't know when was the last time you told people about Jesus. I'm not on about a conference or, or necessarily even about church, but when was the last time you sat down with a work colleague and said, you know you need Jesus in your life? Amen. He is the answer. I just wonder maybe this week if we can have that name of Jesus right, as the Savior and as the Lord more and more on our lips. Amen. Invite people to church, but more importantly, invite people to Jesus amen when they talk with you when they when they chat with you when they share tell them the good news tell them what Jesus can do tell them that he is the answer that he is the only answer it's not Muhammad it's not Buddha it's not money it's not fame it's Jesus he is the power and he is the answer and they may not know that that's why you need to tell them they may go well hold on a minute there's so many religions how do we know this one's the right one i tell you the reason why because jesus is the only one that answers you can ask any other god and they do not answer but you ask jesus and he answers amen we can pray to muhammad today we can pray to and they won't answer but you ask jesus and he answers and that's the <laughs> that's the thing that, that separates any other way to God. There's many roads, they say, that lead to God. No, there's only one gate. There's only one way, and his name is Jesus. Amen. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that when you do speak to him, he does speak to you. Amen. This isn't just some kind of uh, uh, hope that we have and some kind of uh, made-up religion kind of thing. I'm telling you, God answers amen he answers you see i could try to convince you all day that jesus speaks i could try and convince you all day that jesus answers but i'm telling you right you may believe me and you may not but the moment you hear the voice of god yourself <laughs> then what if i try if i try to this if i try to convince you otherwise i'm telling you one touch from god one word from god would change you forever amen Many of us have been just transformed by one touch. Hallelujah. I got touched by God when I was 15. And I've spent the rest of my life trying to unpack what happened when I got touched at once when I was 15. <laughs> That's why sometimes I get frustrated because people are after a prophecy here, a prophecy there, conference here, conference there, healing here, healing there. And they're trying to search after God and they're trying to run after these things. And the reason why they're running after so much because they're not fulfilled inside because they've never had a touch from Jesus. But yet they go to all these conferences, they read all these scriptures, they sing all these songs, but it doesn't seem to do anything to them. I am still trying to work out and live off the excitement of God touching me when I was 15. Amen? I've not needed anything else from that point. Now, God's done lots of things since that point, but I'm telling you, 
it, I had such an encounter with God that could keep me from eternity. I'm saying God is that real in your life and God needs to be that real that when we preach the gospel in Darlaston, right, we don't want to be preaching religion. We don't want to be preaching rules. We don't want to be preaching ideas. We don't want to be preaching philosophies. No matter how good or true they are, what we want to be preaching is an encounter with the Most High God. Because when he touches you, he will change you. Not because you even want to be changed. It will mess with your thinking. It will fry your brain. When you, when you maybe want to believe that he's real, and maybe you, you do believe that he's real, but the moment you find out he's real, it shakes you to the very core. Everything changes. Amen? Everything changes. Hallelujah. So evangelism, discipleship, and leadership training evangelism discipleship we need to preach the gospel in Darlaston we need to preach the gospel here in Warsaw we need to be seeing new people come through these doors every single week because you're inviting and I'm inviting and you're bringing and I'm bringing and every week new people come through and that's evangelism and then the next thing we do is we disciple them we tell them okay now you've met Jesus now this is how you live and this is how you walk and this is how you hear the voice of God and this is how you know him and this is how you read the Bible and that's that's discipleship amen and why are we doing that is because we understand that people need to know who they are in Christ their identity needs to be established because inside of you and inside of me and every single one of you you are a leader amen and we've had our very first leadership conference this year and what we said every single one of us is a leader Amen? Whether you like it or not, you are a leader. But the only thing that would cause you to start to walk like a leader is when you have your identity in Christ. Because the world will say that you are nothing and nobody, and the devil will say you're not a leader, and God is saying that you are a leader. And if you've got this sort of Garfield, you know, you've got this sort of devil on one shoulder and God on the other shoulder, and there are at equal levels, it's never going to work. Understand that our God is a great big God and the devil is nothing. Amen? Understand that when God speaks, it's never in competition with the devil. It's not even in the same. It's not even the same ethos is the devil amen the devil will lie to you and say that you are nothing but don't listen to the whisper of the devil understand that in you there is great greatness inside of you amen you are able to change a nation you're able to change a world you're able to change history you know all those people i think we had 50 chairs out because it's not a big church in Darlison, and I think we had over 80 people turn up. <laughs> you know, all those people that were there yesterday, uh, last week, sorry, at Darlison, that was a history-making moment. That was their very first Sunday that we had ever had as the Rock Church. You can never get that again. Okay, this is the very next Sunday, but it will never be the first. That was, whoever was there, you guys that were there, you were part of making history. Amen? You were part of making history. Now, the great thing with history, and where history becomes powerful, is continuity. Amen? So, we're all great at beginning things. I don't know about you, I'm great at starting things, but the sort of middle... Uh, and sometimes I'm great at ending. I can start and end things really quick. It's the middle part, which is a bit tricky. 
Amen? And that longevity in the middle. I'm telling you, if you are willing to give your life to something, right, that is God-breathed, you'll change history. Not just for an opening or not just for a closing. Oh, that marriage didn't last very long. That church didn't last very long. That new job career that you said to everybody you're going to have only lasted six months. No, no, no. If you are willing to put in time, faithfulness, and energy, you will change history. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 24 and verse, um, I think it's verse 2. Matthew 24, verse 2 to 14. Do we see all these things he has? Truly, I, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. And Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately and says, Tell us, they said, um, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. Uh, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and, uh, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars but see to it that you are not alarmed such things must happen but the end is still not come nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom there will be famines and earthquakes in various places and all these are the beginning of birth pains then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me at that time many were turned from the faith and betray betray and hate each other and many false prophets will appear declaring to many people because of the increase of wickedness the love of most will grow cold but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole of the world as testimony to all nations and then the end will come we talk about the last days and uh, jesus is talking here and he said you know when you're in the last days because the gospel will be preached to all nations the word nations comes from a greek word and um, um, ethnos and jesus was referring to ethnic groups ethnic people groups not lo geographical locations but people groups um, and it's defined, a people group is defined as a significantly large ethro-linguistic uh, grouping of people who perceive themselves to have a common affinity to one another. So how close are we today to reaching these ethnic uh, groups? Well, 2,000 years later, it's calculated that in, in our world as of today, there are 27,000 different ethnic groups. Um, according to YWAM, um, it, they have worked out that we have reached, well, they've worked out that we've reached 14,000 out of the 27,000 ethnic groups. Um, so there's 13,000 ethnic groups that are still unreached. And the YWAM leader, Fred Markle, says we have thousands of reasons why Jesus has not yet returned. The truth of the matter is, is that there are a lot of people that have not heard of the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the challenge is, what are we going to do 
to reach out to these people. Now, okay, when you start thinking about reaching out to ethnic groups, you think about going to different nations and da da da. I'm, I'm telling you, we're a very multicultural society, and you don't have to go very far to reach people that have never heard of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And I have just got this bit of a hunch that maybe over this next few weeks and months, we're going to meet people in Darleston, and we're going to meet people here in Warsaw that maybe have heard of the church, maybe have heard of some kind of Jesus, but they haven't heard of the good news. And so I want us to be um, aware and to be smart that there are people that do not know Jesus, even though they might be born and brought up in the United Kingdom and one would expect them to hear of Jesus. You've heard many stories before when people go into schools at Christmas time and, and you hear about the nativity and, and the children don't know who baby Jesus is. Amen. Or they just think he stayed as baby Jesus. They don't realize that Jesus grew to be a savior. Amen. So we need to believe in the potential to reproduce church growth. I, I just want to declare this. The church grew rapidly. The church grew rapidly. Amen. People were hearing the good news and people were getting saved. And I think today, the reason why we don't see as many people saved as, as you would think is because we don't tell people the gospel. Because quite often, we won't say to our work colleague, can I pray for you? Because we don't think they're accepted. It's been amazing how many people I speak to about the gospel that are actually interested to hear the gospel, but I think they won't be interested. And when I've spoken to them about it, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to stick my neck on the line here. And yet people are open to the gospel. But the lie of the devil is, right? The lie of the devil is, is that, oh, no, they won't be interested. Amen? Tell somebody about Jesus this week. Amen? Tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Stephanus remembered what Jesus had told the disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Stephanus imagined what the church might look like as the Holy Spirit multiplied it from culture to culture. Stephanus would not have envisioned planting only one single individual isolated church. His goal was to put, was to plant the only kind of church he was familiar with. Um, and when you look here, right, around that time um, in Israel, uh, very much a planting kind of people where they would plant seed and they would live off the ground. Um, there'd be lots of grain and lots of wheat. Um, and so just working that out, let's look at this. In year one, let's say that in one season as a farmer, okay, if you were a farmer today, let's say that you planted 25 um, wheats, 25 heads of, 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 of 25 grains. And in, in year one, let's say there's two seasons throughout the year, you, you, you say that you plant one grain and one grain produces 25 uh, wheat. In the second season, let's say that you, you planted in that 25, 
um, and then that produced 25. That would turn into 625 grains of wheat. Let's say that year two, that you now planted 625 grains of wheat, remembering the church was being added thousands upon thousands. You added 625 grains of wheat, and then you got 25% return. That'd be 15,625,000 grains a week. In the second season of the second year, you planted 15,625 grams of wheat. You'll get 390,625. Let's say that in year three, in the first season, you planted now 390,625 grains of wheat. It produced 25% return. Right, 25% grains return. That'd be 15,000. Uh, sorry, that um, that would be 390,000. That would be 9,765,625. In the second season of the third year, you now planted 9,765,000. Right, times 25 would be 2. 144,140,625. This is the truth. That's how quick the church kind of grew. You see, the Bible talks about how the Word of God is a seed. And when you plant a seed, it will produce a harvest. And you might go, but I've only got one seed. I've only got one word. I've only got one person to talk to plant that seed and watch God do the growth. Amen? Producing more than enough wheat here they would have been to feed the whole Roman Empire. As this is what the kingdom of God is like, the scripture says. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, um, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain first the stalk then the head and then the full kernel of the head you see god is the one that does the supernatural growth let me tell you why this is important the word of god is a seed but speak the word of god over your life speak the word of god into your life speak the word of god through your life speak the word of god to your neighbors speak the word of god to your work colleagues to your family speak the word of god and you won't see it growing you may not see what's happening underneath the soil but god is faithful he is the one who adds growth he is the one and any church that grows any people group that are in love with jesus that see great growth within their church be it the early church or, or be it be it c3 church they're people that are convinced that if i release the word of god that the supernatural god of signs and wonders is gonna do a miracle amen why don't you just test God this week? Why don't you just speak the word of God over some situations in your life? Why don't you share the gospel with somebody and just share it, right? Even if inside you're scared and even inside you think, oh, I don't know if this is going to make a difference. Do it with a confident face. Amen. Just do it. Just start, you know, sometimes you don't, you know, you're waiting to raise up your belief. 
before you can do it. Sometimes that won't happen. Sometimes you just need to do it. And when you start to see the results, then your faith would start to rise. I'm telling you, I believe it's time for us as Christians, us as sons and daughters of God, to start preaching the gospel. Amen? To start, just, just bring people to church. Bring people, drag them to, bring them. Just, just be convinced that the worship is going to be off the chain. Be convinced that the preaching is going to be gospel-led. And let's just preach the gospel week in, week out. Who wants to give their life to Jesus? Who wants to come into right standing with God? Who wants to know the reality of the Most High? Who wants to be filled with the Spirit? Amen? And the good stuff. The stuff that saved you and I, we now start to see our neighbors saved. And we start to see our family members saved. Why? Because we were bold enough to persuade people to come. Not to take no for an answer. Amen? And this is what the early church did. They were just willing to get shipwrecked and willing, willing to leave family. Amen? The seed contains life. Um, the seed contains growth. The seed, we don't understand, but in that seed, there is power. And God has given us control as the farmer to scatter the seed. If it stays in your seed bag, it's not going to go anywhere. Take the seed, throw the seed out, and trust God to do a miracle. Amen? Once the seed is planted, the farmer rests. The only job you and I have got to do is to throw the seed out, and then you can rest. If you can't sleep at night, it's because you've not put the seed out. Amen? So tell you why, because you know, you know deep down in your heart you should have shared the gospel there. You know deep down in your heart you should be telling your sister. You know deep down in your heart you should be telling your neighbor. And the reason why you can't rest is because you've not got rid of the seed. But once you get rid of the seed, you can rest. Because you know, there's nothing I can do now. I've just given out the word. I've given out the gospel. I've told them about Jesus. There's nothing I can do now. And it says, then God turns up. Amen? God doesn't turn up before the seed. God turns up after the seed. Amen? And a farmer that can, can then rest. The same power uh, to reproduce is within the church. Um, the power that's in the seed to reproduce is the power that's in you. Amen? God wants to multiply you. Amen. We each have our part to play, but it's God who bears the fruit. We cannot force growth. Uh, we cannot create multiplication. Um, in one of Paul's letters, he writes, I planted uh, the seed, Apollos uh, uh, watered, but God made it grow. Mm. Amen. How wonderful to see churches multiplying. How wonderful will it be to see dollars and churches grow? Just grow. Just supernaturally grow. Amen? Where Wouldn't it be great to see the rock just supernaturally grow? Wouldn't it be great to say, you know what, because of the seeds that we're chucking out, we now need Dollarston Church. We're going to plant a church in Birmingham. We're going to plant a church in Wolverhampton. We're going to plant... You know, we're going to be uh, intentional about our church planting. Why? Because these buildings are just not big enough to hold the move of God. If there is a movement happening within us, if there's a church planting movement happening within us, then these buildings, look, 
we can only fit 300 people in here. The 5,000 were added one day to a church. We need to be people that just, we need to get the good news out. Amen? And we will be planting churches all over the place. Why? For God's glory. Why? Because we can do it? Absolutely not. Because we are just declaring the seed, just throwing out the seed. Amen? Hmm. Habakkuk chapter, Old Testament scripture, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Our mission our mantle uh, the great commission that we've been commissioned with is to spread the good news around the world amen now your world may be a little bit different than my world and my world a little bit different than yours we've all got different worlds within the world you know the people of influence uh, different work colleagues different family members but i'm convinced that if you go to your world with a good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and I go to my world then our worlds will collide amen wouldn't it be great that I see your family members and work colleagues in church and you see my family members and work colleagues in church and my family's talking to your family and my colleagues are talking to your colleagues and we're all united together because of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and we think, how is that possible? How can, how can our worlds, uh, we have such different worlds, how, how can they collide because of the gospel? It, the gospel's not bothered whether you're black and white, young or old, rich or poor. The gospel will save any man who calls upon the name of the Lord. And those seeds, wherever they're planted, right, will bring a harvest. Amen. This is not a country club. Amen. This is not a gym, as you can tell. Right. This isn't a Weight Watchers club. This isn't just a little club that we come to on a Sunday. This is the mission field. Amen. This is the church of God. Hallelujah. This is the powerhouse. This is where we come together to celebrate the Almighty, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. This is where we come together to celebrate the power, the miracle working God. Amen. We've not come here to discuss what we think about this or that. We've come here to celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And whether I meet in your house to worship or whether you meet in my house to worship or whether we meet in the synagogue, it doesn't matter. When you look all through the scriptures, they met everywhere and they had to meet everywhere. And the reason why is because God was just exploding growth. I want to see with my eyes churches within this nation just overflowing flowing with people amen just don't know where to put people because we're just we're, we're taking this away from buildings and we're taking it away from politics and we're taking it away from all those and we're just straight back with the gospel this is what god can do and he's a he's a living and active god amen the good news when it's preached in its pure form saves people amen the good news 
saves people. Hallelujah. And so I want to encourage you, church, let's be a church that preaches the good news. Let's be a church that doesn't, um, you know, preach anything else. No, no opinions, no, no feelings or thoughts, but just the good news. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we ask the worship team to come forward? Hallelujah. Let's just stand to our feet, if you wouldn't mind. We're just going to get ready. We're going to worship and we're going to take our tithes and offerings.